Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from forthright women themselves. Let's do it. Hello, forthright women. This episode you're about to hear originally aired on our other podcast, Marketing Smarts. We thought this community would appreciate it too, as it contains rich and relevant insights to help keep all of you female leaders successful and sane. So let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about the misnomers associated with becoming your own boss. We feel like not only will this be a fun one for us based on all the comments we've gotten around this since we've become our own bosses, but we also feel like it's a good opportunity to shed some light on perception versus reality when it comes to becoming your own boss, what that actually means, and most importantly, that it is not all fun and games each day because you're on your own schedule, so to speak. Yeah, and there are some great things about being your own boss, and we talk about them all the time. But there's also the reality that we are actually running a business, and work is called work for a reason. And a little bit of a spoiler alert, you're on the hook for everything once you become your own boss. So with that, let's get into the top four misnomers in becoming your own boss. Number one, you can work when you feel like it. There's going to be lots of spoiler alerts today. (laughs) Spoiler alert number two. People are going to turn this off in like two seconds. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't work, you don't get paid. Again, don't work, don't get paid. Now, is there flexibility associated with being your own boss? Of course. But there's also extreme discipline to do the work when you theoretically have all day, and I'm you know, putting that in quotes, to get things done without a particular schedule or agenda or, quite frankly, a boss to report to. I mean, I remember an instance where a guy who arguably probably shouldn't have gone out on his own, but he did, <laughs> freelance designer, and he proceeded to play video games on his couch for a week and then had a complete oh shit moment because he was up against a deadline and while he thought he had a couple weeks to complete it, two other projects came in. He didn't want to say no to that new work. And so, of course, the next week was spent with all-nighters to get the three projects completed in time based on the deadline. So a little cautionary tale, definitely a true one there. But part of that discipline that I had mentioned is you don't actually know what is going to come in all the time. And so while you might think that you have two weeks to get something done, other things can come up and happen. So you got to have the discipline to get started just as you would in a typical nine to five situation because other things could come in the door. Then there's also these things called clients. They have schedules as well. Do you want clients? Well, then you're going to have to accommodate those schedules Mm -hmm. and do things like work against timelines, have meetings, take impromptu phone calls, be on Zoom, which we all know how much I love, which means preparing to look okay on camera. All of these things play into it. So in theory, you can work when you feel like it doesn't really work out that way. On the other side, I have talked about this before. I do take a run during normal business hours. Part of my schedule and routine has been get up, do a bunch of the logistics, take a break, go for a run, come back and do the thinking stuff. I take my daughter to breakfast sometimes before school. I knock off early on a Friday to take Sam on a date. All of these things happen for sure. And there is a lot more flexibility. But to go as far as to say you can work when you feel like it just isn't true. Yeah. And this was like a really big transition for me as well, because being in the corporate world for like so many years, you felt like you were supposed to work nine to five, but Uh it was never like that anyway. But you still gave yourself the grace to say, "Okay, I'm done working for the day. And then what you considered work after that was like your overtime work or your nighttime work. Or if you're going to take a vacation, you could take a vacation and you give it to other people Mm -hmm. in order to get that done. What I learned after actually getting into this environment was that my day was actually 24 hours a day and my week was actually seven days a week and my year was actually 52 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And having to figure out how to manage that was all up to me. And so it does give a little bit of freedom. It's like, oh, well, I can plan my 24 hours a day, my seven days a week, my 52 weeks a year, however I want to plan it, right? But you also have to remember, as you said, well, 
okay, that's great and all, but I am actually responsible for myself too. Mm-hmm. So, and and my work and, you know, my partner or whoever else is there. So there has to de- definitely be an element of discipline, but it does give you that like breath to be able to flex your day like you had said. Yeah. And I remember, um, I remember specifically where I was because this hit me so hard. I was standing across from the alleyway where Curiosity, the last agency I worked for, is located. And I was taking a walk and I had just gone out on my own. And I had this just moment that hit me of, oh, I don't have nine hours of meetings a day anymore. Yeah. What am I going to do with all that time? And it actually caused me some anxiety. Yeah. Because you thought, feel like you could be busy all the time. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, what am I supposed to do? And so there was like a complete reorientation even of what the day meant, to your point. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I didn't have to do timesheets, I didn't have to work 50 hours a week that were accounted for, all of these different things. But then what was I going to do to structure my day instead in the absence of all of that? Right. Number two, all the stress melts away. I feel like I set myself up for this one <laughs> pretty well just now. So we'll go back to the original spoiler alert that Anne gave in the beginning. And that is that you're on the hook for everything now. So it's sort of an oxymoron to expect that all that stress is just going to go away. And I think some of the things we've talked about and think about here, you know, you used to probably have a team that you could assign tasks to. You don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. Or even if you do have a network of people like I did when I started, They're not at your beck and call. They don't work for you on the team on that particular business 24 hours a day or or whatever during the nine to five, all of those types of things. There's also the reality that there's probably a lot of things that you haven't done in a lot of years that you're now going to have to do again. I remember the first time I had to do a competitive audit, it was the first one in at least seven years as I was trying to count and starting to stress myself out about how to do it. And I had to go back and think through the framework and think about how best to do it and kind of create my own. And refreshing those skills took a little bit of time. Also, there's things like being a PM. We have an episode on being a PM and the importance of that. Without them, I kind of lost it at first. Project manager, that is. Oh, sorry. Project manager. Yes. I just assume. So you do get to this place where you, I think, you leave and you, and we've talked before on the entrepreneur episodes and all of that about how you have to really think through it and think through the details and prepare yourself. But I would say that this one cracks me up, first of all, when people say like, oh, it's got to be just so laid back, no stress when you work for yourself. I'm like, it's... The opposite of that. Um, But also, it's just a new kind of stress, basically. So it's just you. You're selling yourself in a lot of instances. This is where personal brand always comes into play in the conversation for us. And you're trying to figure out what are the things you're going to do versus what do you need help with? And how do you navigate that while you're also hopefully bringing in clients, uh, trying to prepare just to get through the day, figuring out your business model, working on your processes, even if you have those fleshed out before you start, you've got to actually put them into action and on a regular basis. And I would say on the end of Ann and me, even when we are on our own, and also since we've been a partnership, We do our best to channel the stress into productivity, and I think we do a fairly good job of using that pressure to turn into something good and to make ourselves better. Um, Most days I feel really energized about being responsible for our business because I am an entrepreneur at heart. I always kind of knew this was going to be my path, and I really do love it, but every day there is some sort of stress associated with being your own boss. Yeah, and I like what you said about the stress being different. And I think it's a really good lens to to look through. I think there was a there's a saying that uh, what a bad day on a golf course is better than a good day at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I think a bad day being your own boss is better than any good day I even had oh, in, a, in a corporate standpoint. Yes, that's be- a really good point. Yeah, just because like the stress is more self induced <laughs> than it is. Feeling like it's caused by external forces that I can't control. And that was the that is the relief. The relief is mm-hmm. this is in my control. It's also the scary thing, which obviously can be stressful because you're responsible now for your own livelihood. You're not getting a paycheck on a regular basis and you have to build all of that repertoire in so that you can actually have a sustainable business model going forward. So yes, that's stressful, but it's it, it feels so empowering when it that it's in your control mm-hmm. that that does alleviate some of the stress. So your stress is like 
making it come to life for mm-hmm. sure. It is figuring out all these things. As I remember being, I felt like I was a jack of all trades and a master of none for a little while because <laughs> I'm like trying to learn all these things I didn't have to do when I was in a corporate life. So yes, but it there's something energizing about it when you're doing something for yourself and you're building something for yourself that um, makes it all feel worthwhile. And, mm-hmm. and that's like, kind of fills you up. It, it keeps you going. It keeps you motivated. Now, there are times when we're just like, oh, my God, is this ever going to, like, turn out, like, the way that I want to turn out? Mm-hmm. I remember we went through a lot of days like that. I remember, like, having a lot of days as, like, um, I think I made a bad choice when it came to a client. I had some of those days, mm-hmm. you know, but those are all learning, and that is something that you have the direct control over to change the next time around, mm-hmm. right? And you can get up and you can make a totally different day for yourself, which it didn't feel like that in a corporate environment. A lot of times I felt like Groundhog Day all over again, you know, so it's um, a really, like you said, a different kind of stress, but a stress that makes you feel very capable, very enabled. Um, Not that you don't have dark days, but it does um, fuel you versus deplete you. Yeah. And the last thing I would say is when you get in those moments where you feel super overwhelmed, just go do one thing. That's yeah, the way I always get out thing. of it. Yep. Like, like you said, you know, when you're transitioning and you're jack of all trades, master of none, in those situations, I'd be like, okay, what's one thing that's going to make me feel better and that I can tackle right away and then just chip away at it that way? Yeah, or who's one person who knows something about this that I can ask or tap into? Always. Yep. And you'd be surprised how many people you know to actually know these things and how resourceful you get, too. Yes. All right, number three, and I'm going to hand this one to Anne. The work is easy. Oh, we kind of just talked a little bit about that. Yeah, we did. But, um, okay, so here's spoiler alert number three. It is called work for a reason. And work is work. It is in play. But like I had mentioned with regards to um, when we're talking about the stress conversation, you are choosing your work versus having it dictated for you. Mm -hmm. And that is a really fantastic thing um, that makes us feel energized, I'm going to use that word a lot, I think, to get up in the morning and to produce something for other people that we feel very, very proud of. So I think that's really, really important to understand is that even though you're learning a lot, you're challenging yourself, things that you don't know, (laughs) things that you're learning and experiencing for the first time. I remember sitting and thinking about like, how much do I charge? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) just like those conversations will kind of come into your head. But as April just mentioned, just start somewhere and, you know, start with something and you're going to learn and it's going to be a process. So that's the first thing is um, the work isn't necessarily easy, but there's something about it that makes it feel all worthwhile. Yes. Like there's a meaning behind it. And that doesn't mean you don't have to do things that are not fun sometimes. Um, I hate managing budgets. I hate it. I, I, there's like several things <laughs> that I don't like. That's why I had to talk to you. <laughs> I mean, that I don't like to do that I had to do, but it was necessary if I wanted to get paid, right? So it's good to get that... Um, that exposure to those things, because then what you can figure out is like, okay, what do I want to focus on? Where do I want to put my energy? And what do I need support and people around me um, in order to be able to allow myself the time to do these things that really give me energy where I think I'm going to give the my most effort on in order to deliver the best impact. And the other thing to that point is, we get to establish our own growth pattern, too. Yep. I mean, we're in the corporate environment. A lot of times you're kind of dictated what your growth pattern is going to be. You're going to do this. and You're going to do this. You got to demonstrate that. And, you know, you're going to like, you know, go into this role. And you're going to go in that role. And, you know, we're going to send you overseas just because we think you should have the experience, whether it's good for you or not. You know, all these kinds of things. And you, a lot of times that doesn't feel like it's all in control. I always it's, liked when it was you must be in this role for this amount of time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just kind of, <laughs> of like the, you know, the machine yeah, kind of going through, right? But we define our own growth, and that's really, really fun for us. Um, it also um, allows us to you know, feel the liberty to try new things like this podcast. Like now we're keynote speaking in front of groups, and we find that very energizing mm-hmm. about sharing our learning. And it's giving us room to be able to expand our horizons and see what we're capable of which we might not have been able to do necessarily in an environment that is so regimented. Um, so that is really empowering and enabling. Then finally, it's, it's, it's really good to realize, and I kind of alluded to this, but, you know, it's not all puppies and roses, right? Um, <laughs> we, you get the challenging climate clients. You get the, like, really long days. I mean, that, that's just kind of the nature of the beast. But um, it 
when you're doing things, and I, I can't stress this enough, when you're doing things that you feel like you're able to put yourself into, it's amazing the reward that comes back from it and how appreciative people are of it because they can see that this is coming from a really, really good place of expertise, from passion, from experience. And it's a um, it's fantastic. So even if the work isn't necessarily easy, it's definitely rewarding. Well, and I would go as far as to say that I wouldn't want the work to be easy. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, I feel like I had a little bit of a letdown, which eventually led me to you, but where I was in a place, and I've talked about this on the show before, where I was bored and a little bit lonely because I was able to master the model that I wanted to build faster than I thought I was going to. And so I felt a little bit like I was doing a good job. I was doing great work. But in some ways, personally, I felt like I was going through the motions because I wasn't challenged in the way that I had anticipated for as long as I had anticipated being challenged. And so I think that's the other big thing is by nature, luckily for both of us, I think, we're really curious people and we like to learn new things and do mm-hmm. new things and challenge ourselves. And we're we're competitive, not I wouldn't say with each other, but competitive in what can we do next mm-hmm. type of way. Well, we did that. OK, well, now what can we, we do? We want to do really well at it, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I I have to think, you know, I said in the beginning when we started this podcast, I can't believe we have a podcast. Now we're doing this keynote speaking, which is my very favorite thing that we're doing right now, getting up in front of groups of people and and all the coaching and and all the coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's really turning into what our overall desire was. And had I just allowed it to be easy and stayed in that box of doing the work, which I I still love, but just wasn't the same challenge anymore. And then in the other direction, I have so much more energy for that work again Mm -hmm. because I'm being pushed on the other side and it's fueling my energy and my passion for doing really good brand strategy and marketing strategy and creative and all of those types of things. It's balancing out in a new way. But were we to just say, let's do easy work, I feel like we'd both be like, Okay, cool. This is boring. Yeah. <laughs> and even if it looks easy, we have a tendency to make it way more challenging. Yeah, just to give <laughs> ourselves the challenge. <laughs> just to say, well, we could push this a little bit. Number four, and I'm going to hand this one to Anne as well. The work just magically comes to you. Yeah, and you know what? Um, spoiler alert number four, sales is always part of the process. But this one's always funny because you're going to always be thinking, why is so-and-so getting all this work? Why is it easy for them yep. to get work? And why am I not getting the work? I mean, I mean, everybody says that. Everybody goes through this. Um, and that was very much me when I started um, my whole process. And I told the story before that I was very humbled coming out of 20 years at P&G that I basically had to reinvent myself in a different context in a new landscape where my 20 years at P&G was great um, within P&G. But outside of P&G, people were like, well, are you going to be able to translate that brand experience into something that is useful for me, especially mm-hmm. as a small, mid-sized business? Are you going to talk over my head? Are you going to condescend to me? Are you going to be too expensive? Like all of these things that basically I had to reestablish that I was the right choice for them based on my expertise, but also based on a more humble approach of, um, yeah, I need to take what I've learned and I need to reformat it in order to be useful for you. So that was a really hard thing for me to adjust to, especially since like a lot of people, and we've talked about this before about doing a freelancing gig is like you start where you already are yeah. with a side hustle, like kind of trying to learn, trying to develop it so that it doesn't feel... Um, as stressful when you like actually jump ship and then trying to get all those clients at once. And um, I didn't get a chance to do that. That was not my my path, unfortunately. So it took me a little longer on the outside. But um, it still was a process that I had to go through. And what that led me to understand and believe is that you always have to be selling. And this is the hardest thing to accommodate for and to spend time doing because we, especially early on, you get stuck working in your business a lot. Um, Like we just said, the jack of all trades, it's all on you. You need to produce the work in order to produce the money. But if you're only counting on word of mouth in order to drive new business, that is a really risky place to be in. Now, we all hope, and like a lot of our business comes from word of mouth for sure. It's a very powerful thing, but it can't be the only thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a layer of marketing and branding and just credibility and reputation um, building that is always 
laying over all of the work that you're doing in order to continue to give yourself the opportunities to expand, in order to scale, in order to move in and to do coaching and keynoting when before your whole focus was on branding and marketing execution, right? You don't just decide one day, as we found out, that, hey, we want to be coaches. <laughs> well, great. Why? And, and what's your credibility and reputation for doing that? Well, we did a lot of branding and marketing work. Mm -hmm. Well, great. Well, those things don't translate. So those are things that you really need to kind of consider as you are planning out your day, you're planning out your schedule is what is that portion of the time that I'm going to be spending on my business so I can continue to have a very healthy business and a sustainable business going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think all of that is... So true. And, you know, Anne, you always make the point you can't be working in and on your business at the same My time. Favorite point. Except for you kind of have to when you're <laughs> in this position. And that can be really tricky. And I think the other balance here is you really do want to do a fantastic job every time you fill in the blanket, a new client, start a new project, bring on a new type of work, introduce a new team member or you know partner that you're working with. And so there are a lot of moving parts and pieces that you're always managing. But just to reiterate and reinforce, if you're not out there selling all the time, you're not going to be top of people's minds. You're not going to mm -hmm. have those referrals that we've often found where somebody refers you to somebody else you don't even know and you make that connection. We took a whole day out and went to a conference recently. That's hard for us to do, especially together as the partners in the business, to make yep. sure that things are continuing to move while we're doing it. But we realize we have to be out there in the community. We have to be on other podcasts. We have to be networking with people. You know, we've had, we have whole episodes on networking as well, and you all know that that's one of my favorite things to do. But still, even though it's a favorite thing, when we're busy like we are right now, I have to really find time and make time to make that work and keep it as a priority. Otherwise, you can easily get lost in the work, and then all of a sudden you come out of it, you finish the project, you're feeling great, and you're like, wait, we don't have anything else in the pipeline. Yeah. So... It does not just magically come to you. You have to work for it and you have to stay in front of people and stay top of mind so that they think of you when they need something. And I want to reemphasize re a point that you were saying that networking is selling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that is yeah. part of the whole grand scheme of selling because you're making those relationships and you just don't know what relationship is going to lead to more work or a partner like I got you know, with April, which was four communications later from mm -hmm. the initial communication I have, that doesn't mean that you need to spread yourself very thin and, and be answering every single conversation and trying to cover every single point. But you need to make a concerted effort in order to be in certain places, in order to be able to have that exposure, be able to meet those people, because you just never know where that work is going to come from. And for me, it came from the most non-obvious places. So um, I think that continues to be a lesson that we learn. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good point. So let's recap. The top four misnomers in becoming your own boss. Number one, you can work when you feel like it. Spoiler alert. If you don't work, you don't get paid. All the stress melts away. Spoiler alert. You're on the hook for everything. The work is easy. Spoiler alert number three, it's called work for a reason. And finally, the work just magically comes to you. And I won't say spoiler alert again, although I just did. Sales is always part of the process. Yeah, and if you guys are still listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. So with that, our next segment in the trenches, as you all know, is where we give real world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application so that anyone listening can digest the information and put it into action. Number one, does being your own boss ever get lonely? Short answer is yes. This is why it's really important to get very clear on why you're going out on your own. We have two episodes early on in our uh, podcast mm -hmm. life where we had a part one and part two of becoming an entrepreneur. And so I'm not going to go through all of those points, but those are really good reference points to help you figure out why you're doing it, if you're doing it for the right reasons, and what it actually takes so that your eyes are open when you're going through that. But all of that to say, when you do decide to go on your own, I, I think Loneliness was one of the things that I didn't automatically assume would happen, but did eventually happen. And 
So for me, I just talked about networking, right? That's one of the outlets that really has helped me with loneliness. Also, I wouldn't have said that I was looking for a partner necessarily, but now that Ann and I have the partnership, I feel a lot less of that because I have someone I know that I can always call, bounce things off of, even when we're running in different directions for the business or working on different clients or whatever. There's someone else kind of in my corner versus me just sort of making all the decisions by myself, which was a really odd feeling, I think, after a while and a lonely place to be. Um, But even if you don't decide to have a partner, I think the point here is at some point you will get lonely. And I've talked ad nauseum about being an extrovert and getting my energy from other people. I don't care if you're an extrovert or an introvert. If you literally are spending all your time by yourself every day, even if you tend to enjoy that, mm-hmm. you you really will at some point realize, hey, I'm kind of lonely. I'm chugging away. I'm not interacting with people enough. Even if you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur and your business is computer science or programming all day or whatever, you have to get out and get that energy and get that exposure to other people. And I think also give yourself the permission to do that. So even if you are busy and even if you don't always have the time, you have to make time for the things that are going to recharge you and give you the energy back. And so for me, and I've talked about this before, too, during COVID, I found myself really lonely. The screen and the phone and all of that really wasn't doing it for me. So actually getting out and just physically seeing other people on a run made a huge difference to me. So I would say short answer, yeah, it does get lonely and you do have to get creative sometimes and you do have to make Make sure and more proactively integrate people into your life, especially if you're coming from a big company where you took for granted that you saw 100 people in the office and however many more clients each day. Yeah, and I think also the lonely part comes, and I've heard this a lot from people who decide to start their own business business, like maybe even a brick and mortar or, you know, a product-based business, um, where they say, you know, the the adage, like, I'm using a lot of adages today, but like, it's lonely at the top. Mm. It doesn't matter where the top is. Yeah. <laughs> if you're the top, it can get very lonely. And a lot of times that's because you're expected to know everything. Or at least yeah. you feel like you're expected to know everything, right? You expect like when something goes wrong that you should have a solution for that. You should be able to make a decision. Whereas, you know, and you don't have a lot of people to bounce that off of. And then you don't want to feel vulnerable in front of your employees or your or uh, the people that are, are working for you because you feel like they, they need a soli- the solidarity of you being there in order to be like this figure that's going to make it okay or, to, you know, growing the company. And mm-hmm. it's just a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders. And that can feel very lonely, too. So in those cases, there are fantastic groups, and I would highly suggest you seek out one of these groups that allow you to have that connectivity, whether it's your local chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, like we have saw, we, we're part of the Northern Kentucky Chamber, and that's been a really great network yep. for us. Um, there's a, a, a group called Vistage. Vistage um, is like call it like a board of directors for small and mid-sized businesses where you have other people like you that you can bounce things off of and, and regular opportunities for training and learning. Um, the, there's mastermind groups, like find something that allows you to have an outlet to be able to share what's going on with you in a safe space so that you can get that input from others. So you can like be challenged on some of the decisions you make, because as much as we think that we're really good at what we do, um, there's always blind spots yep. and you need somebody that's going to be able to give you that, that clear mirror back and transparently be able to give you feedback about what might be your blind spots. Yeah, I think the reference to lonely at the top is is really right on because I think that was my misconception was because I was still going to be surrounded by people working and managing the projects and talking to people all day and getting the work done and being with clients. I think it was that sort of idea of being in charge of all of it and everybody always looking to you mm-hmm. and thinking, Okay, but then who do I go to? All right, in the trenches, number two, what do you do to manage the stressful times? And I'll let you start this one. (laughs) Drink wine. Next question. (laughs) Fair enough. And then? Oh, and there's more? Um, Okay, no, that's fine. No, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, going out – on your own is that 24-7, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, that your business is open all the time. It's really up to you to have the discipline in order to be able to really manage that in a way that's conducive to the rest of your life. And only you can do that. All right. So to manage the stressful times, I've had to just stop. 
mm-hmm. right? There's some places where I'm just like, okay, I just have to stop. I have, I might, my energy level is done for the day. Um, I don't have enough energy in order to like be with my family. Um, I am not, not being productive at this point. I mm-hmm. just need to stop. Now, that might be on a weekday I decide I need to stop. And then I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to have to finish this on a Saturday. Yep. And not that I'm going to take away time from my family and those things, but I do carve out a couple hours. And I'm like, okay, this is my time that I need to kind of get this done. But you're doing it in a very productive way, too, which is like, all right, well, I'm not like to your your example you did before. It's like, oh, I'm procrastinating. I'm going to play some video games. Then I'll go do your work. No, you had to be very disciplined to get to get that work done. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how much discipline helps with stress because your priority making, your choice, you're making your right, the right choices, and you're setting up your day that's going to put your energy where it needs to be in order to produce the best possible impact. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side of this, I find um, that... If I'm really stressed out, I usually need a really good workout or I need good sex. There we go. I mean, that's that's <laughs> just the, like the honest like, thing. I mean, hey, <laughs> this is uh, we're, we're very transparent. But um, for me, I find that yoga is a big restorer. Um, I, I crave yoga um, at least once a week because it helps to just kind of like pull my whole self back into itself again and just kind of get grounded. I love listening to podcasts, uh, all kinds of podcasts. I'm a podcast consumer. I did this just voraciously when I was transitioning because what was so important to hear from me was that other people it's now who are now very successful in their mm-hmm. businesses um, started exactly where I was, had the same doubts, had the same frustrations, had the same, like, what am I doing? Like they And they had, like... Um, that whole kind of just fear and like some of those things that we get when we're kind of in the midst of it. And that gave me hope that like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So that always helped me kind of manage my stress. Um, and then sometimes it's just like breaking loose. Sometimes you just need to go break loose. Like a couple weeks ago, we went down to the new hockey talk that just opened in Westchester, Lori's Roadhouse, and we danced like we were like 20 again. <laughs> I mean, of course, all the 20 years were like, what the heck? But they just gave us our space and it was fine. <laughs> but I mean, that all always helped me with stress. And then also I have a therapist and I've always been very open in saying that. Um, I pay her to listen to me. Um, and she's yep. great at that. Right. Um, and so that is really, really helpful to have somebody that I can just like put it all out there to. And she's like, oh, my God, that's really that's a lot. I'm like, it is a lot, isn't it? <laughs> you know, and so just for somebody to kind of reiterate that back to you. Um, it, it's really helpful, I think. So, no, I, I mean, I think that's right on. And one of the things that I want to go back to is kind of the point of diminishing returns. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is always one of the things, whether it was when I was managing a new team member now when we're coaching people at different points in their career that we have to talk about at some point, right? Because you can't just work yourself to death. And no, Mm -hmm. do you really want to work on a Saturday? Probably not. But in the grand scheme of things, you're going to be more productive and more efficient and just calmer and less stressed if you learn what works for you and then you stick to that. And so... I think this is where we have to remember that we're all human beings. And so just because there's 24 hours in a day, it doesn't mean you should work definitely not all 24, but not even 12 consistently, you know, like figure out what those patterns are that work for you. And I said before, you know, I go on a run during the business day, the technical nine to five, Mm -hmm. pretty much every day. And I try to stick to that unless we have one of those really crazy days, which we've had a few of, admittedly, recently, where that's just not possible. But to Anne's point about figuring out the structure that works for you, for me, it's getting up and all those things that have been you know, flying around my head overnight or I wake up or whatever thinking about, I have to tackle all of those before I sit down to do any of the strategic work or writing these episodes or writing a blog post or even tackling something like, okay, we need to do a video shoot this week. What does that look like all the way around, right? Mm -hmm. Those things that are bigger picture, bigger project and require that brain power, Those are the types of things. And then bigger picture, I think, too, you have to kind of come back and whether it's talking to a therapist or whether you talk to your friends or your business partner to figure out what's going on. I mean, one of the things that I realized recently about myself is I really need to get out of Cincinnati. 
on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I knew this during COVID, this was like very top of mind for me. And we did a lot of cabins in a lot of different cities. But because we've gotten really busy lately, and because, you know, family wise, you know, my son played soccer, we couldn't just leave for a weekend, we didn't want to let down his team or teach him that that was okay, you know, that kind of stuff. I sort of let it fall by the wayside. And I was like, man, why am I feeling this way? And I realized it's been a while since I've been gone. So it's the little things to manage every day. It's also the bigger things that you need on an ongoing basis. Like for Ange said, yoga is, you know, good once a week, right? But if she doesn't do that for two weeks, I'm sure that it mm-hmm. starts, you start to feel that. So you got to think about that all the way around in order to take care of yourself, yes, but then automatically it links to the productivity of the work. It just does. If you, like last night, I think I was working until 7.30 and that was okay because I'd taken enough breaks and I'd done enough different things Mm -hmm. and I had this pocket of an hour where the kids were quiet and I'm like, I can write this now. But you can't, you also can't count on that. I think that's right on. And I also want to say to do not sacrifice sleep. No. I mean, oh, no. I, I, if I hear one more person um, talk about how productive they are because they get up at four o'clock in the morning and this and that and the other. I mean, I every once in a while when I get up at four o'clock in the morning because I have to go to the bathroom, I'm sitting there looking at my clock. I'm like, you got to be effing like <laughs> kidding me that people get up at this early in the morning and like start like their day. I'm like. I need like eight hours of sleep. sleep. I can't function sleep. without eight hours of sleep, you know? And so sometimes, you know, um, when I wake up, I already have a bunch of like texts and slacks from April and I'm like, hmm, I'm just waking up. <laughs> but um, I've also been texting and I, you know, in, in slacking her at nine to 30 at night and she's already asleep. So, I mean, you have to honor your sleep. Not getting sleep is not a badge of I'm such a stud, like, you know, cause I'm wor- like only sleeping four hours and I'm working 20 hours a day. That is a self-fulfilling prophecy of doom. I mean, it just really, really is. So honor your body, honor your mental health, take care of yourself. Just don't get stuck in the trap that it has to be like a 24-7 grind for like three years till you like you lose your whole entire self, your family, your everything in order to make this work. If that's the choice you need to make, you really need to seriously reconsider if you are in the right place for you. Yeah. And the last thing I will say here is don't think for one second that you can just look at emails at nighttime or super early in the morning and be like, oh, I'll get to it later. You don't stop thinking about it. Yeah. You Touch just it once to yeah. get it done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. In the trenches, number three. You mentioned that the instant team is not there. How do you deal with this? So I talked about this a little bit in relation to that previous discussion of Decide what work you're going to do and what work you're not going to do, and then continue to change that as it makes sense for your business. And this is something actually that Anne helped me learn and get on board with when we first partnered up is I think the tendency is to do all the things you can do yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, Honestly, part of my model was to be able to do a lot of it myself. I, you don't want to invest the money and spend the money yeah. when you think you can do it yourself. When you think you can just do it yourself. Yeah. Right. But that can quickly start bleeding into areas where you really shouldn't be doing it yourself and where you're sacrificing other things like being out and selling or networking or whatever, trying to plow through something that really you have no business tackling because it's going to take you twice as long. Your energy is going to be depleted. You're going to be frustrated. All of these different things. And so, When I went on my own in the very beginning, my hard line was I was never going to be back on the board to design. I just wasn't. That was something that I was like, this is just stupid. I haven't been in practice for over 15 years. This is like just a terrible use of my time. I'm not going to do it. Now, when Ann and I partnered up, I ended up actually doing a little bit of it because I found that it was a good outlet for me with really simple stuff. So we had someone else do our logo, do the heavy lifting of the branding. We were both heavily involved in that and the strategy. But then when we got to things like, oh, we need a mark for marketing smarts and it needs to fit with fourth rate people. I was like, this could be kind of fun. And I was able to do it because I had a starting point, right? Mm -hmm. So there's been a few things that I would say are labor of love or whatever that I've done just to give myself a creative outlet because that is one of the things for me I have to put my creativity somewhere but as far as logo design and all of that kind of stuff that is out of my wheelhouse and I am totally comfortable saying that I'm not going to do that 
Then I think on the other side of the doers and who's going to actually get the work done, we talked a little bit about this already as well, but who is your board of advisors, so to speak? Who are the people, you know, if you don't have a partner or even if you do like Ann and me, we still go to other people and ask them for their advice, either because Mm -hmm. they have more expertise, like people we bring on the show or they've been there before, they've dealt with this type of client or they're in a space that we really want to get into. There's tons of reasons why. But we tap into those folks because we're looking for help, advice, information, and they're a shorter way to get there, but then also a good relationship opportunity for us to have. And so to the one question about loneliness, you know, or Anne's love of saying that until the world's run by robots, (laughs) we are all people, we all need other people. And so... Surround yourself by the right ones. Surround yourself by the people you need for the business and that you want to be part of it. And by no means think you're going to be able to pull off a business of any kind. I will put that statement out there. It does not matter what it is. If you're truly trying to build a business, you cannot do it as a team of one. Yeah, I second that um, wholeheartedly. Um, you, you just you need other humans in order to be able to be successful. And that's just the reality of the world. So a lot of people, too, like to go into business on, on their own because they feel like, great, then I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> right. I don't. I mean, we had a, a potential client like that. We're like, mm, it's not going to work and we can't help you if you're not willing to, like, talk to people. Yes. But um, my rule of thumb and I use this for all of our property management that we do, too, which you know, it's a little bit different of work and definitely a lot more like it's just so much easier just to do it myself kind of thing. But what I um, have come to to believe is that if I could be doing something instead that would make more money than what I am doing now, I basically farm it out. Mm -hmm. All right. So, for example, and I always I laugh for this example because I don't do the books, but this is my example because now Mm -hmm. April does the books like (laughs) I'm doing the books, which I think is like excruciatingly painful um, versus doing a new content module for marketing smarts marketing page. Right. We can pay a bookkeeper um, a lot like more economical amount that I would be able to make selling a new module. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is what I have come to believe now at the very beginning you know, you have to kind of pick and choose where you want to yeah. invest your time. If you're finding something very excruciatingly painful and it's just dragging you down, but it's necessary for your business, it may be something you need to invest in right away Yeah. in order to make sure that that part of your business gets done so you can focus all your time and attention and energy on things that are your expertise that are going to drive your business, especially when we talked about, you know, always having to feel like you're you're selling um, in the way that you are constructing your day. So, May, just be really honest with yourself on that. Now, don't overhire either, especially initially. Um, like I said, it's really good to understand some of what that work is so they can understand who the right people are to hire in that case. But um, really, you know, honor and value your time uh, in order to make sure that you're putting that time where it belongs. Yeah, exactly. Number four. You have talked a lot about what's not great about being your own boss, which is fair. (laughs) What is the very best thing about it? And I will say honestly and truly working for myself. The ability for me to be able to tell people that I work for myself, I know that sounds stupid and cheesy, but I get energy just by stating that fact out loud. I know that I've said I always kind of felt like I was meant to be an entrepreneur It didn't always look like it looks right now, and I I don't think it ever does, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. But as I look back, and Anne made the mention of, you know, her very worst day on her own didn't even compare to the very best day working in the corporate world, I tend to feel pretty much the same, especially given where we are right now. And I was just in this conversation um, the other day, actually, with my husband, about um, actually a podcast that Ann recommended, which was Jim Nance kind of telling his story mm-hmm. and and going through how much joy he gets out of being an announcer and what that means to him and all of those kinds of things. And so my husband said, wouldn't it be great to find something like that? And I kind of sat there for a minute and I was like, you know, I feel like I'm pretty close. And so we got into that discussion and I was like, Part of it, yes, is being my own boss, but also I think it's the freedom of making the decisions of what we're going to go and do and then figuring out a way to go and do that, right? So Ian said before we wanted to be coaches and people were like, it doesn't translate. 
Well, we're like, how do we go and make a translate then? Okay, mm-hmm. we start the podcast. That kind of eliminates the need for credentials in a lot of situations. And people hear us talk and they're like, why wouldn't we hire them to do this? And so we found a way to, well, one, circumvent that normal system. But also, I mean, we did a keynote speech last week and I still feel the energy from mm-hmm. that. And I left that speech and I was like, if this isn't like it for me, it is very close of fulfillment and happiness and excitement and being able to speak to a room full of a few hundred people and have an impact and watch people nodding their heads. I mean, there you can hear it. I'm just I still I'm still getting so much energy from that. And so are we doing that or whatever that thing is for each of us all the time? No. But the more we do that, the closer I believe I am to doing exactly what I'm meant to do and on my own terms, which is back to the point of just how much pride and happiness I feel in working for myself. Yeah. And if you're interested in that um, podcast episode, that's Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery. And it's an excellent podcast all in itself. But um, the one he just did with Jip Nance is phenomenal. So I highly suggest that one. I thought it was great. Amazing. Um, And, you know, for me... The very best thing, and I've talked about it a lot, so I'm just going to summarize it um, here and hit three key points, which is the flexibility to manage my own schedule. That has been phenomenal, especially since I actually have older kids, but being in a corporate environment for 20 years, I didn't have that flexibility to be with my kids you know, necessarily the way that I would have always wanted to be. Now, I never felt like I was like sacrificing my relationship with my kids at that point, so that's not what I'm saying here, but like now... I can take my daughter to soccer practice. Normally, the nanny would have taken her to soccer practice, but now I could take her to soccer practice, and then she's forced to have to talk to me for 30 minutes. <laughs> and she's stuck there, and I make her turn off their phone, and she has to talk to me. And you know, and so I get that time with her where I m- wouldn't normally get that time with her. So I, I find a lot of value in that. Um, I can do the work I want to do in order to make an impact that fulfills me. And that, I told you at the very, very beginning, was has been core, where I get to do my own bidding, not somebody else's bidding. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing what other people feel is important. I'm doing what I feel is important. And I find that extremely rewarding. And then probably as important is my boss is okay with me having wine at lunch. <laughs> yes. So I find that fun. And I always still find it fun when I'm talking to my <laughs> friends and I'm like, hey, can you um like do this thing on Friday? I mean, we might do it a long weekend, you, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, I have to check my schedule. And I was like, hmm, I'll check with my boss. Yeah, my boss is fine with it. <laughs> so I still find that fun to do. And they give me like usually two middle fingers up and stuff like that. But it never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. <laughs> In our third and final segment, which is typically a real world example of a brand who is doing things well or not so well in the space we're talking about. We just covered the best part of what being our own boss means to us. But I think we can put a fine point and wrap up this episode with the thing that surprised us the most about being our own boss. So I'll go first. And what I will say is how much I missed managing people, not the day-to-day management, here's what's on your plate, here's your work, but the mentoring and helping people grow. And honestly, as I look back, I always knew this about myself, and I would get a lot of comments from people of it seems to be natural to you and you seem to get as much out of it as they do. And that was always very true. I think there was a lot of fatigue at the end of my last agency because my team was so large and I was in had my hands in a lot of different departments and it just felt like I had a lot of these folks on my plate and it was just too much. It was taking too much of my energy and I felt like it was an imbalance and it was depleting me. But I would say within the first three months, probably, of doing my own thing, I realized that I was already starting to miss it. And I think that's where I started leaning pretty hard into wanting to do more of this coaching, educating, keynoting, and what has led us, I think, from my standpoint, to being more formal in the way that we're doing it because it was a bigger part of me than I think I realized. And I, I really I couldn't believe how quickly it showed back up in my day to day. For me, and, you know, it's kind of interesting. This is the first time I mentioned it earlier that we're really talking about it is um, I was really, really worried about the whole financial aspect of everything. Um, because a lot of the podcasts I was listening to voraciously, like I mentioned, was always like, oh, it's so hard. You give up on vacation to give up on going out. You have to basically like consolidate. You go to one car. You like all these like, you know, stories of like financial like ruin as a result of, you know, going out <laughs> on your own. I'm like, I can't do that to my family. 
um, that would be devastating, you know, to even think about, you know, putting my house at risk and all this stuff. So that was like the really, really hard thing for me to wrap my mind around that it was the risk that I was putting my family under. You know, and what I will say is the blessing that my 20 years in my corporate life were actually, you know, they and I we said a lot of things about how like stifling corporate life is. I did love my 20 years at P&G. I, I talk about the fact that I grew up at P&G. There was a lot of wonderful moments and a lot of wonderful people. So please hear that in the context of all of this. But I also was very responsible in saving money. Yep. So I have, you know, a very healthy 401k. I have investments. I had cash, you know, available. All of that to give myself a little bit of a cushion and give myself the time needed in order to do this and do this right. Um, so it wasn't as big of a risk um, in, to do this that um, it could have been, right? Um, now, it was still like hard not to get a paycheck every month. Right. But like you have to carefully budget everything out. And I can't say this enough. And this was what it was like a big surprise for me that I thought like things that I thought I could not live without, like my Bath and Body Works body wash. I mean, I, it sounds really sad. We're talking small things, people, but it's always <laughs> the small things. I'm like, I was like, OK, I can't do that anymore. And I realized I even now that I could afford it if I wanted to, I haven't gone back to it. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. so you, you, I didn't sacrifice like, you know, you know, huge like things that I thought were important in a aspect of being social with others. Yeah. But, you know, we kind of pulled the vacations back a little bit. We didn't go out to eat as much. Yeah. Um, we did invest because we had value in our house in a Four Seasons room that now we invite people over, you know, and have, you know, com you know, share community and, you know, and have fun there, you know, and save some money there. So you'll be surprised, like, as you kind of going through things, what things you feel like you, you, you couldn't live without that now you you could cut back on mm -hmm. because what you're trying to build and what you're trying to do is way more important than that bath and body wash that I thought I couldn't live without yep. or the designer clothes that I didn't think I could live without or the like the high class dinners that I really enjoyed. And I thought that was the only way to like socialize with friends or that yep. was or my friends were not going to want to hang out with me because I couldn't do those things or I'm trying to save money on those things. You know, so that was the biggest surprise for me that um Though there was a tremendous amount of fear there, tremendous amount of trepidation, and all rightly so, that with appropriate planning, you can really manage that in a way that is um, fiscally responsible without, like, having to sacrifice your whole entire life. Yep. Mine was the daily venti soy milk latte from Starbucks. Oh, I didn't give up my Starbucks. That was a, a non-deal. I was like, nope. That was a deal breaker Well, mine for was me. more I wasn't walking by it every day to get to the office. So it was out of sight, out of mind. Well, see, sometimes that helps too. So just to recap, the top four misnomers in becoming your own boss. And I won't say spoiler alert every time because Anne's annoyed by it. Yes. You can work when you feel like it. No, if you don't work, you don't get paid. All the stress melts away. Actually, you're on the hook for everything. The work is easy. Still called work for a reason. And finally, the work just magically comes to you. Sales is always part of the process. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.